Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We're thrilled to have you here, and we're really excited for a conversation today with our, our friend and colleague and client, Jean MacGyver. Jean, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Thanks. Let me tell you a little bit about Jean and why we're talking with her today. Jean is a mom of seven kids in a blended family. She's also a teacher. And she came to us because her youngest child was really struggling with ADHD and they as a family were struggling with how to help him. And so we've known her for many years. She worked with us not only through sanity school, but also as uh, became trained as a professional in sanity school and has used it a lot in her classroom as well. So we thought she'd be a great person to have a conversation with. And as we were in our private forum talking to, to members in our community about what they were looking for, for in terms of talking to people who may, maybe we should do coaching, maybe we should do, you know, talk to former clients. There was a lot of people saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us success stories. Bring us people who've really seen their lives change. And Jean was one of the very first people to raise her hand and say, I'm in. Well, and Jean, you are a success story. So tell us a little bit about how you came to work with us and a little bit of the backstory. So I guess the first word I have to say is drowning. And um, (laughs) I was... Yeah, but you do with a smile on your face. Well, you know, the best of... Anyway, um, mom, (laughs) husband of seven kids in a blended family. I was also a teacher of second graders. And administration realized that I could handle children with challenges. Complex needs. Complex needs, exactly. And so I would go from one environment of complex needs and walk right into a crazy house of complex needs and door swinging opened and closed in our house because we're a blended family. So, you know, with mom, not with mom, with dad, not with dad. And then one that stayed at all times, who was the cherry on top. (laughs) Um, So I started researching, which I do and dying, I call the rabbit hole of research and trying to find ways that I could, first, I was more concerned about the classroom, where I could do, what could I do for some of these kids that really were, and parents who were dying, didn't know what to do with their kids. And I came upon Impact ADHD and loved the free resources that you guys provided, which educated me and in turn, I could help educate some of the parents. And then I realized, wait, I'm educating parents and I can use those in my own home. (laughs) And I am a parent. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And so I started applying some of those strategies at home and noticed that they started working. And it was about that same time that you guys were reaching out with a new class 
or the first class, really. I was going to say, so that's when we started the Sanity School certification program. Exactly. And I was one of the first, I was first in the class. And that was about the best experience I ever had, was just one, figuring out how to to do all the the readings and listening to all the videos and learning, but then getting together with that class and of amazing women and uh, with you two as the leaders. And that just is really how it all started. It really all started that way. So let me just clarify, because I, I don't know that I remembered this. So you started with Sanity School for Teachers. I No, I started with Sanity School, reg, the teacher's part wasn't, yeah, for parents. Okay, and we didn't then, even have the teacher's part yet. We didn't even right. have that, and I was part of the, what do you think teachers would need to know? Yeah, I was going to say, we did a focus right. group, and you helped us figure out what to put in Sanity School for teachers. That's yep. right. Yep. That's exactly wow. it. Yeah. And so for those listening, the very first, after we had created Sanity School, we knew that we needed to get it out into local communities that not everybody wanted to learn online. So we started training professionals and they were therapists and coaches and teachers and all kinds of different professionals to be certified to teach Sanity School in their local communities. And while I'd say most of them don't actually didn't end up teaching it in local communities necessarily, it became something that professionals could use as professional development to enhance their skills in managing complex kids, Exactly, which is what happened for you. I remember conversations with you about how it changed your classroom. Absolutely changed my classroom. And I was having little mini, I didn't, you know, parents needed help so badly. Our conferences, you know, parent conferences turned into these mini sessions on what can I do? Mm-hmm. And I think I gave out your website 50 times, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> and if I recall, it. you took the executive function chart into your sessions with your teachers, with your absolutely. parents, right? Yep, absolutely. And said, this is where you need to start focusing and go from there, which is pretty amazing. I still stay in touch with so many of those parents in the first, those last couple of times. I've since retired from teaching, but because there are seven kids plus now grandkids, no right? Grandkids. <laughs> just one, just one grandbaby. Just one. Yeah, but they all seem to be, you know, we kept saying adding on. Yeah. <laughs> on the add-on. And Jean, I'm torn because I want to hear more about your story as a mom. And what came up for me immediately as you're talking about using some of our tools with parents in your classroom, I know a lot of parents are interested in how do I help my child's teacher, teacher. get them in a very different way. And so I would love for you to riff on that a little bit and talk about, you know, kind of that dynamic between parent and teacher and what, from a parent's role, what can they do to really help and support the teachers? And and improve well, that. I can tell you from our district, I needed to help a lot, uh, yeah. especially with Reese, as we always said that Reese is more. He, my loving child, redheaded, all every down to his toes of redhead, and then top on top was ADHD. And teachers didn't know what to do with him, you know, and I know parents will resonate with them. You know, the mom or the the teacher would say to me, I know he can do this. He's just not trying hard enough. And I would have to sit them down and say, let me explain to you why he really can't do that. And this is why this is trying for him. Right. right. (laughs) And then when you send all that home, because he didn't do it at home, let me explain to you what he did at school. And then he can't do at home. So I started out defensive okay. and then I took, I think that was, I'm trying to remember what grade it was, third or fourth grade. And I was backpedaling because I needed to catch up. And then I approached fifth grade with, I need to meet with you 
before school starts. Mm -hmm. And so I would sit down and I still do it. He's going into eighth grade and I already have our pre-meeting ready, but I would sit down with the teacher, teachers or account and counselor, sometimes an assistant principal, whomever is ready to listen. And I would explain to them the backstory of Reese as much as I can, all the things that he does and what he responds to. We have a 504 plan for him that mm-hmm. I wrote. The right. guidance counselors didn't get it. They just didn't understand. And I said, no, this is what he needs. I advocate for him and not because I want to be that pain in the neck parent, because once the teachers get it, they don't hear from me again. Right. I don't. Because they don't need to. They don't need to because they're already aware. And every single year that I meet with these teachers, and usually it happens within the first two weeks of school because the teachers prefer to meet the child and then meet yeah. the parent. So I've, I've let them do that. Me too. Uh, gracious. <laughs> Did the same thing. Right. Exactly. I, I want to ask a question because yeah. I heard you or, or kind of highlight what I heard you say. I heard you say at first you were defensive. Mm-hmm. which is kind of a no, not that. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. And what I heard here is that you then shifted into it. This is what I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. And when you shifted to a positive requesting, here's how I can support you. And this is what I, I'm asking for from you. You got a much better response from the teachers. Absolutely. And to share a story that we laugh about now. Laugh. Right, I, now. <laughs> I wish everybody could meet Reese because he is like a kid that's full of joy and he has learned to almost, we call him being a beaver, but he lets the things roll off his back pretty Mm -hmm. well. I think he's used to so many things happening that he kind of lets it roll and it doesn't bother him like good or bad. I'm not really sure, but I'm, I love his personality. He got lunch detention for being impulsive, funny. That's what he is. Right. Um, And he got lunch intention quite a few times because he couldn't stop talking out loud. He knew the answers and he just wanted to answer them. Okay. And I get it as a teacher. Eager participant, right? Exactly. But let your friends also, you know. So as a teacher, I get that. I understand how that can be a problem. Well, I said, how do you feel about that? You know, what can we do? I'm talking him through it. And he said, mom, it's not a big deal. It's lunch detention. They let me (laughs) take my computer in there. I get all my homework done. It's okay. (laughs) So I was like- Finally, we had a meeting with the teachers and I said, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's not working. This is how he's responding. And she went, oh, huh. You know, I don't know. He's getting his homework done. Like, come on, he's back with it. At home, it's not good for me too. So it's just the teachers didn't understand. And so we talked about his impulsivity. And right there, I had come up with ideas what, and I brought to them, I said, listen, I'm giving you, and I went out and bought sticky notepads for all of them, all the teachers in his team. And I said, just give him these and ask him to write the question down or the answer down while he's raising his hand, because he would often say, I forgot what I was going to say by the time they got to me. So I have to let it out. And the teachers appreciated me being proactive, not coming to the table and saying, this is my kid, take it or leave it. I was there as a team player a planner. I helped them. They all of them, every single one would always say, thank you so much for the background in Reese. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize these kinds of things. So it just you, works. 
Tell us a little bit, let's go back to what did you, because you were a teacher, you had a natural proclivity for working with complex kids because they kept giving them to you, right? And yet something shifted for you when you found, it was then impact parent, ADHD, everybody, now it's impact parents. Right. When you found this coach approach, right? So what did you learn that was different for you that shifted things for you? Because I remember you talking about how it shifted your classroom and it shifted your home. So tell us a little bit about what that was. For me, it was pre-planning. It was appreciating that uh, we call them brain breaks were essential mm-hmm. to rewire the brain and ready for learning, that everybody needed their own whatever it was, whether it was space, learning environment. So like, not only did I change the way I taught, but I changed my classroom environment I had two or three desks, but I also had pillows and couches and low lamps. And my classroom became almost like a home environment. Mm-hmm. And literally people would walk in my room and go, like oh. there's one who was putting a feet up on a table and he was, he was upside down, almost reading upside down. There were others who were under the table, but everything came with teaching. Like I pre-taught, this is how you may read in my classroom and the boundaries were drawn and they practiced it and we did it together and it just changed everything. And then that turned into my house. Like, this is what our expectations are, knowing what they're able to do, what he's able to do. He's learning to be a list person like his mom. And so we had checklists everywhere for everything, but I didn't do it all. Reese helped me do it. What can I do to help you get out of the house? So we're not screaming at each other. What can we do for you to get down the stairs by this time? Because this is the time that we need, you know, to eat breakfast or whatever. And that's, I ran my classroom that way. Like, how are you going to be able to do this in the classroom? And then we would plan it with that child. How am I going to get my kid out the door without screaming? Nobody wants a screaming parent. Nobody wants a screaming teacher to add to the chaos. So that's so kind of really what, what you're describing is collaborative problem solving. Is what Absolutely. you learn is how to shift out of directing into a collaborative model, both with your and students and with your family. Absolutely. And it's, it's buy-in. Mm. If they're part of the planning process, they're part of the success. It's yeah. Just- well, and, and I'm listening to some of the voices in the heads of the parents listening. And I know that it sounds like you had ease of collaboration with Reese when you were trying to get him engaged in the process. A lot of parents are like, my kid, if I asked my kid what you need, they'd say, I don't know. And that would, they would just kind That's of throw true. their hands up in the air. And he didn't know. He honestly didn't know. But what he wanted as much as we wanted was not to be screaming. Mm-hmm. So I would do a lot of memory. And I, I know there's a technology word in there. You're going to get it. But so we would come off a horrible session of screaming at each other and trying to get in how, you know, the door out the door. And I'm, I'm a redhead. So I can do a little <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> Yeah. I got you. I'm a little explosive. And so not far after that, I would say, I don't want to do this anymore. And I wouldn't have him feel that emotion. And he didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, okay, then we need to do this. How can we do this together so that we're not screaming at each other anymore? That was the same experience in my home was when I sat down with my kids one afternoon after a really bad morning. And I said, this morning, forgive my language, this morning sucked. Did it, was everybody else as unhappy as I was? You know, like, do y'all want it to change? Right. I mean, I can tell you times where I would 
we w- I'd drop him off at school after screaming the whole way to school yeah. about, you know, what you could have done. And then I would sit in the parking lot and like almost ball, just yeah. cry and think, what have I just done? How can he be successful? Mm-hmm. I'm sending it that way. I, there are so many times I'd turn around and I would write a note to him telling the secretary, please, please, please figure out how to get this to my son. Mm -hmm. He needs to hear that I do love him, that this can't be this way. And so it's better, but it changes all the time. So well, and they hit a new stage and right. you have to learn to deal with that well, one. And- yeah. So I want to go back to the, um, the situation in the classroom and the, the detention, the school detention, because the thing that I pulled out of that was that you realized that consequences aren't what change behavior. And I guess that that's right. the question. How does that, we always talk about the fact that you have to, consequences are valuable for sending messages yes. and these kids need help to change their behavior in addition to the consequences, or maybe sometimes even instead of the consequences. So how does that play out for you in the classroom or at home? That's a great question. How does it, there are consequences like, so Reese has impulsivity, obviously. Now it's getting better as he gets older because he's, I make him aware all the time. Like look at your friends whose hands are up or, you know, in the classroom or somebody else what could you have done differently instead of yelling out? You know, those are kinds of things because they're not even aware sometimes mm-hmm. that exactly <laughs> there's anybody else in the classroom or um, in the world for that matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not right now. Oh. Okay, right. Oh, not now, but so that they have to understand the concept. There are consequences for what they're doing, but they have to understand what they're doing first and making them aware first that they're not the only one in the whole world or classroom or house. And so it's very hard to, you know, we talk about naughty or neurological, neurological, you know, are they doing it on purpose to be disrespectful and everything else? Or is it just that their brain isn't tuned up where it needs to be? Mm -hmm. And so I think as a teacher, I really needed to approach everything that way. You know, are they trying to be disrespectful? Are they being mean on purpose or they just don't have the words to figure it out you know and I taught seven-year-olds so that's where I am with that Um, and the same thing with the teachers with Reese is he being disrespectful to you on per you know is he doing it purposefully or is he really just not even aware or the fact that he I found out that he couldn't remember what the question was by the time the teacher called on him so he didn't want to lose what he had in his head so he blurted it out because he wanted to give the answer. He knew the answer. He didn't want to lose it. So by understanding that whole background, then I was, we were able to change the behavior. Um, And I think that's what as parents, even as teachers, we have to step back and use that question. Are they trying to be rude? Are they trying to be, you know, is it, it's a great valid question, which you guys help us understand, which is, is it naughty or is it neurological? Is their brain ready for what's happening? So let me shift the gears a little bit. For some parents, and we talk to a lot of parents who are trying to decide what to do to get help. And, you know, we know that sanity school is behavior therapy training is recommended treatment. And a lot of parents feel like they just can't do one more thing, right? It just seems like, it, you know, getting help for themselves is one more thing. And it's, it's a luxury. The focus needs to be on their kid, not on themselves. Speak a you little bit about- You were talking about drowning- 
Yeah, your perspective right. about how actually doing something else actually eased your burden instead of made right. it harder. I couldn't do, I didn't have the resources. I didn't have, you know, as a teacher, they don't focus enough on this, these kids that need, and it might not even be ADHD. It just might be executive functions or, you know, developmentally, they haven't, their brain hasn't grown to where they are. I just didn't have enough resources. And so for me, I had, I had to, I, it was so bad. It was just like, I was losing me and it was not easy taking all those classes. It was because I was taking care of kids, then grading papers at the And so sometimes I would be watching those videos with one eye open, you know, just trying. And I watched two, three times because I was like, I did not remember that part. Something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. We often say, just let it wash over you, you know, mm-hmm. because you begin right. to, it becomes immersive over time. Well, that's right? it. Like I still sometimes go back mm-hmm. and, you know, reread or redo, look at my notes and things that I'm feeling badly right now, but I had to do something for me because otherwise I was going to have to quit something. And I knew I couldn't quit my family. So <laughs> right, I still can't quit, you know? So that's where I just, I, I needed to do it. I needed to make it happen. And I'm so thankful. So, so thankful. what would you say to parents who haven't gotten to the point where I need to do something for me? They still think they need to focus exclusively on my kid has the problem. I need to do something for my kid, whether it's a tutor or, you know, whatever it is, there's that focus on the child. Right. I think by getting my mind on understanding a little bit about them, my kids or Reese or whomever it was, I was way better to help them. Like I'm way better at helping Reese plan out what he needs to do because all of a sudden I go, wait, oh, I got to go back remember what I learned, you know, that kind of, I still have to rem- remember what I learned. Okay. And now we go forward and the response of, you know, every step that I would take in that direction that helped him was just another reinforcement of why I needed to continue to work on what I needed to know mm-hmm. in collaborating. Oh my gosh. Being in that room in Georgia with all of those professionals, as we were all telling stories and working ideas, I have never felt more alive. I've never felt more validated. And I came with so much information that just totally redirected everything for me. Mm. I would wish that upon anybody to have that. I felt like I had a full toolbox, you know, and and sometimes I didn't know what tool to get, but (laughs) it was full. (laughs) It was ready to go. And I just, I just really felt validated. That yeah. Sometimes it doesn't matter what tool you pull out as long as you keep Pull a tool, out. right. Right, exactly. I wasn't drowning anymore. I wasn't. I definitely wasn't drowning. So is there anything else you'd like to say to parents or people or professionals, people listening, that you hope they'll take away from today? What do you want them to know? The most important thing is to know that if you fix it today, there may be a new week tomorrow. It really does. It changes all of the time because every baby step is a step forward, but there's still other ones that are pulling us a little bit backwards mm-hmm. so that you don't lose hope. Just, I just keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> there's sometimes, you know, you just go back in the toolbox and say, you pull out another one, but just remember, you know, what really works for me is sometimes when, you know, on Facebook, when you have those memories and they pop up, 
and I see that three-year-old little Reese or the two-year-old little Reese. And that's that little boy that I have. Mm-hmm. He's 12, almost 13. And he is amazing. Yeah. So don't lose hope ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yep. And if you feel like you are losing hope, get some help. Yeah. Right? Do seek, it. Seek some out. support because that's really what it's about is, is parenting from inspiration. Even if it's positive. reaching out to your website and reading one article, yeah, that article has a little insert and that you hit that and it will take you to another article that will take you to a chart or, but still, I mean, it, I, I can tell you, I got lost in there, but every one of those enlightened mm-hmm. and it still does. It still does. Awesome. Thank you. So Jane, we've been ending our interviews as a wrap up with a a favorite quote or a motto that you'd like to share with everybody. So for us, we laugh at this, but our counselor who had just retired, which I'm very sad about, said it's her favorite quote and she actually has it written down and we'll take it to her next job. But we always say downtime is clown time for Reese. Mm. Uh, He, my boy is a ball of motion. And if he doesn't have something to do he can't get anything else done so that's our big downtime is clown time awesome all right i think we are at a wrap yes yeah thank you so much gene for being here with us to share a little bit about your story as a teacher your story as a parent you gave a little bit of advice about how parents can partner differently with teachers and it's just been really lovely kind of walking down memory lane with you thank you for that thank you And we're so thrilled you found our community and that you've been with us for now many years. Like it's, it's a pleasure to grow with you and, and your family. And thanks. Thanks for joining our tribe. You bet. I love it. Mm. Have a great day, ladies. You too. Take care, everyone. See you in the next one. Sounds good. Bye. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.